And uh, we came to chapter 11 last week where Jesus is praying with his disciples. And, uh, well, he's not praying with his disciples. He's praying alone. And when he's finished, uh, last week I was wrong because I said the disciples kept interrupting Jesus. But he was finished. The disciples came to him and said, Will you teach us to pray like John the Baptist teaches to pray? And uh, I said I wanted to rattle our cages because Jesus then said, I'll teach you to pray. And he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And mimicked what I grew up with, which was saying that prayer a hundred times at school every week. Um, and it's read like a mantra. And I believe uh, that it's totally the wrong way to pray. And the reason we get so bored is because we think that's how God wants to converse with us. And I think God is out of his tree. He's so bored with that kind of praying. And I think what Jesus was doing was saying, this is the kind of thing I want you to pray. And I want you to pray with the passion of the story that I'm going to tell you. And so last week we thought about that where he, he says, I'm not going to teach you to pray like John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist prayed to a distant God. He prayed to a God who was a fire and brimstone. He prayed to a God of judgment. He prayed to a God who believed, yes, the Messiah was coming. And so he was a voice crying in the wilderness, and he was a great voice and a great man. But as Jesus said, he was the last of those prophets and the least in the kingdom, not because of his fault, just because of what was about to happen. And so I believe Jesus turns to his disciples and maybe says it, maybe doesn't. He says, why would you ask me to pray like John the Baptist? I'll teach you to pray like I pray. John only had a distant God. I start my prayers every time with Father. John couldn't do that because he had no revelation of Father. And as we saw last week, some of us, because I've counseled people here and elsewhere, when you say Father, they think of abuse. And so their whole response to God is fearful, is distant, or is well-behaved, or is he's just going to punish me. My experience of Father was respectable, but he never spoilt me. It took me years to learn that God actually lavishes on us because he just likes to. Now that I have daughters, I love to lavish on them. And in fact, I have to stop myself doing it because it's not good for them. But the heart of the Father is one of delight and lavish uh, provision. And many of us need healing when it comes to that. And so God says to us, Come to me as Father, as the definition of Father revealed in Jesus, not as the Father that you have experienced. No matter how good or bad He is, I'm better. And so one of the things we can continue to pray is, Lord God, Father, will you expand my understanding of your love for me? So one of the ways that uh, we're trying to kill is, Oh God, I pray for you to help me. I pray for you to bless. I pray for you to help. Our Father God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Forgive me, O oh God. And we go on and on and on and on. And God says, so now what? Now you've brought me all the things that I know about already, and I'm not, you know, oh, I didn't realize that was going on. Now that you've told me all these things, now what? Somebody comes to you, well, I prayed about it. Wow. And my posture is this. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for God to answer. Oh. Looks like fun. Has he answered yet? 
No, I, don't, I haven't heard anything. Oh. I've been waiting 20 years. You wait another 20. You sit like this. So Jesus told the story to his disciples. He said there was a man who had a friend, and his friend came to him, and his friend was hungry, and his friend, and I didn't have any bread. And bread in the Bible is usually Jesus, is life. And so I didn't have anything to give my friend. So he said, um, so this friend who couldn't help his friend had another friend who was in the middle of the night, and he went and knocked on his door because he thought that guy's got some bread. It's the middle of the night, so it's a little risky, but I know him well, so I guess we can get through that. He knocks on the door, and he knocks on the door, and he knocks on the door. And the friend says, well, I'm asleep. The kids are asleep. Can't get up now, although the kids probably woke up if they were shouting like that. And eventually the, the, the friend persists, and, the, and, and Jesus in his story says, uh, as, as it was re- read out this morning, the boldness of the man knocking on the door caused him to eventually say, all right, how much bread do you want? And he got the bread. And I believe that's how Jesus prays. You get off the stool, and he says, what do you want? I need bread. Well, go and ask for it. Well, I just want to do this in private. He said, well, then you're going to be hungry. How hungry are you? I'm hungry enough to go and knock on a door, friend of a, at the door of a friend. Okay, then go and do that. Well, I knocked once, and he didn't hear me, so I'm not knocking again. I asked God once, and I'm not, he didn't hear me, so I'm not going there again. And he says... If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, why do you give to me this nasty character that thinks that I'm always out to get you and I'm always out to hold things back and I'm always out to say no to you? But I am teaching you how to push in. I am teaching you how to take, to, to walk out there and do something. And the answers to many of our prayers are, are, are hanging on us getting up and doing something. So our Father... If you don't know God as Father, press in to know Him as Father. Start saying, Father, I want to know you, who, who you are. Read the stories of Jesus and let the Father's heart touch you. Do something, and I promise you, you will know the Father's love. Sit around waiting for something to happen, you will never know it. When God sent the people from, out of Exodus, and He sent them into, He wanted to lead them from Egypt into the Promised Land, He set them free by the Passover lamb, blood painted on a doorframe. He sent Moses in and said, set my people free. They they killed the lamb, and eventually Pharaoh said, okay, get out of here. They had to get up, and they had to move. They had to travel to the promised land. When they got to the promised land, he said, you can take it. Have a look and see what it's like. They said, it's great, but they're these big giants. We don't want it. We're scared of them. Two people said, yes, we're going to go, Caleb and Joshua. The rest said, we're scared. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. The heart of the father was, you can have it. The issue, I'm scared. So they wandered in the wilderness because of fear instead of entering into their inheritance. What happens if God says yes to you today and he just says, you're just going to have to trust me? But the good news is I've given you people around you to walk with. So the only thing that you need to deal with is your pride and your self-sufficiency because you wander alone with that nonsense. But he says, my heart is that you know me as father and you know me as a father who really likes you. And I'm also somebody who says, come and knock on the door and see what happens. You might have to knock twice. You might have to wait. But you're a spoiled brat anyway, so just wait a little bit. Just because you don't get it, just because I don't jump to everything you say, who do you think you are? I'm God. I could kill you right now. 
but I don't because I'm nice. You deserve it. You're a little brat. You do whatever you want and you want me to clean up your mess. And then you tell me that you believe in me, but you don't because you don't give me any room. But I like you and I know that you're a little screwed up, so I've got grace for you. So I'll dump grace on you first and then say, now come. Oh, you don't want to lose your freedom. That's what the people, you know, they were wandering in, in, in the wilderness. It was so tough that they said, we'd rather be back in Egypt. And what were they fantasizing, fantasizing about? I'd rather be back in Egypt where we have fish that's free to eat. That's twisted. I'd rather be a slave eating free fish than a free slave having manna. That's how we get to. Very, very strange. And so God the Father says, I've got a lot to teach you. And I'm teaching you trust. But it's going to take a bit of time. So praying the Lord's Prayer is about praying with passion. And so he says, thy kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That's what we have up there. Your kingdom come. Why does he say your kingdom come? Because without him, this, this, this place is as we know it. It's depressing. It's a struggle. It's survival. It's run by circumstances and feelings and emotions. It's a world that's determined by the things that hit us from the outside all the time. And we don't have the resources. So unless you have money so you can go on the cruises and you can do the stuff to get you out of the circumstance that's pressing you down, you're stuck. And even if you get out of that circumstance, you're still stuck with yourself. There's another suicide in the, what's it, the football leagues. Every single week, there's somebody who's got all the money in the world killing themselves because it doesn't work. So God says the kingdom needs to be declared. So Jesus came into this world to say there's another whole way to live in this world. And that is with the kingdom inside you. He says, what would it be like if you were rich and you didn't have to worry about the tangible things? You say, well, that's romantic. And Jesus says, well, look at me. But you don't understand. And he says, I do understand. You spend all your time trying to keep yourself secure and you're so insecure, it's a joke. The kingdom sets you free. And he says, How, what does the kingdom mean? He says, I am totally secure in God the Father's love for me. Well, that sounds romantic. No, it's not romantic. It's, it's very freeing. Because... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in Egypt. I speak the same sermon every week. Do you notice that? I guess we need to get it and we'll stop speaking it. Less preparation. Um, Egypt is about getting your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness through stuff or through people. The promised land is about love, joy, peace, patience coming from the Father and then actually the stuff seems to come anyway. I just don't need it as badly. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. What does seek first the kingdom mean? What would you do with a child who every five minutes came running back to you, mother or father, and said, is there going to be enough to eat tomorrow? Yes, dear, go and play. Is there, I, I'm scared something's going to happen tonight to the house. You would be taking them somewhere for treatment. In our culture, we'd probably medicate them, which wouldn't be the good thing. But you would be saying, trust me, now you go and be a child. And God is trying to say to you and to me, trust me and be as a child. I will look after you. What's the problem? You'll never know that until you risk it. 
You can have as many Bible studies in the world, but until you actually risk it in your life, you'll never know it. You'll just know about it. And then you'll become cynic and say, well, it's nice for some people. They have the faith. I just don't have the faith. You go, no, you don't have the faith because you're chicken. It's not like your DNA. It's just that you've never taken a risk. You're trusting in yourself, and it's not working too well, so you get cynical, and then you blame God. But what happens if God is actually really faithful? And He does supply. But you've got some catching up to do because your faith is very stunted. And He says, you need to learn to walk again. You need to learn to walk from the invisible to the visible. You need to find love, joy, and peace from who I am as God. And then you will live from the inside out, and you will be a child in the kingdom. And people would go around and say, aren't you worried? And you go, not really. Why? Because I trust God. Oh, you're naive. No, I think you are. I don't get medicated for stress because I'm not stressed. As Silas was saying, I live with a GPS. That GPS is amazing. I went around Australia with it. I went around England with it. I went around uh, this country with it. And yes, it doesn't work. You go, oh, shoot. I pulled out of Heathrow. with my, I, I rented a car and pulled out of Heathrow, and the thing wasn't working. And I, man, now I'm stuck. And then fortunately, it kicked in. And God says, what would it be like to work with me like that? Just walk with me like that. Trust me. That's what he wants to say to you and me this morning. Trust me. Wherever your life is, trust me. But the kingdom comes into a realm that is opposed to God. So as soon as you say, I'm going to trust you, that realm starts saying, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Can't be trusted. So you have to learn how to live in the kingdom. That's why we need one another. Because we live with lies in our heads. And we live because the lies in our heads feel so normal, the kingdom of Jesus feels totally abnormal at first. That's why it's called light coming into darkness. That's why it's called peace beyond understanding. So we have to learn how to walk into that place where we know peace that is beyond understanding. We don't even get it. We just say, this is beyond understanding. And he says, I know. It's me and you. Now let's start my sermon. Um, that's depressing, isn't it, if that were true? So the battle zone, do you know what the battle zone is? The battle zone is ultimately, I don't want to call, you see, I don't want to call, the, I don't want to call darkness as, as a kingdom because it's too flattering. It's just a realm. This world in which we live is like going back to your home and finding it's trashed. It's not as it was created to be. And Jesus comes in and says, you have no idea what this was meant to be. But I'll start showing you. But I'll start with you. And so you're in a battle zone for who is going to be God and who is going to determine how you live. Do you know what the weapons are of this battle zone? Jesus comes with love and forgiveness and grace. But you know what's going to actually totally defeat you? Popcorn. Let's have a look at this video. Popcorn. We've never gone beyond it because we think that to follow Jesus means it's always going to be convenient and we're always going to get what we want and we're going to feel comfortable. But you know when you give up your comfort, you give up your comfort when you actually see something worth pursuing because then the discomfort doesn't seem to even matter. That's why Jesus starts with the Father. That's why Jesus starts with the Father's heart. Because when you know the Father, suddenly some of the little inconveniences don't really matter. You just go, of course I will. I mean, that's not important. When we saw Bill on Friday, it was totally unimportant 
that uh, it would take some time. It was a great joy because it was such fun. It was such fun to actually meet somebody and go, let's just get, hang out together. It wasn't a problem at all. It's not a problem to get up early. It's not a problem. I look at the cross and I look what happened for me and I look at the grace God has poured out in my life. It's just not a problem. Pretty much everything I've ever done that's made any sense has taken some effort. And God's saying to you and to me, I want you to be pursuing me, knocking on that door, asking, seeking, bugging me, alone and together, and you will see breakthrough in your life. But if you wait for the circumstances, you'll be stuck. And what did he say? And this is my final point. He says in uh, that Luke passage, he says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is Jesus walking on earth today. He was visible walking in the flesh with his disciples. When he rose from the dead, he released his presence through the Holy Spirit. That's why you sense things, but you don't see them necessarily but you'll sense them. And the first thing that he senses and the first thing he throws out is his love, that I like you and I actually have a life for you. How many of you, for instance, would love to lay hands on somebody who's sick and see them healed? How many would, you, would love to go up to somebody who's really discouraged and say, and God gives you a picture for them and you speak that picture over them and you just bless them and they go, you re- me, me? I love the story that Graham Cook, I'm still growing up to this story of Graham Cook going into a, uh, into a, a deli or like a thrifty store and he sees the woman who's ser- uh, serving behind the, chick- the, the, the cheese counter and God just gives him an, a word for her and the word is that she hasn't seen her daughter for let's say 15 years and he says, I want you to tell her that her daughter's going to call her at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon. And so Cook goes up to her and says, I'm a little wacky. God gives me, God's, I believe, I'm a Christian and God speaks sometimes. And anyway, he just, says, he just wants me to tell you that your daughter, who you haven't seen for a long time, is going to call you at 2 o'clock on Friday. And as he tells the story, he says, this woman turned without even blinking and said, Mabel, could you take my 2 o'clock shift? So that she could be free at 2 o'clock. And he went back and found out the story. At 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon, his daughter was, her daughter was walking through the streets of London, saw some telephones and said, I should phone my mum. Her mother was sitting in the hallway next to the phone, believing the word that was given to her. 2 o'clock, the phone rang, and that mother and daughter were reconciled. And as he said, who do you think was in church on Sunday morning? Daughter and mother, because God touched them, spoke to them before they knew who he was through somebody who could bring a revelation of his love to them. How would you like to be that person? You can't be that person if you don't get up off the seat. You can't be that person if you don't say, Here I am, Lord. You can't be that person if you don't turn up and learn how to hear God. You can't be that person if you don't stand next to somebody who can do it better than you and say, I want to learn that. You can't be that person unless you're willing to say, This is what I think God's saying, but I might be wrong. And you learn how to trust what you're hearing. You can't be that person if you don't practice. And that same principle is true for every single thing in the Christian walk. What does God want you to step into this week so that you can grow? Because believe it or not, Jesus didn't go to the cross just so that you could be happy. He went to the cross and rose again so that we could rise up as a mighty army 
and actually share his love in the world and power and presence. So I want to pray for God to activate in us what he's already placed in us. If you've said yes to Jesus, there is dynamite inside you. It's called dunamis. It's called power that he wants to release. But he needs people who will say, here I am. Take me further. Yeah, even you. Even in the midst of all your circumstances. He's got a word for some of us and says, your circumstances will never change until you look to me. So let's stand. And let's just ask God, you know, rather like that GPS, let's turn it on and activate. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, you can tell him right now, Jesus, I, I don't even know you, but I believe that you have, come in, you have come into this world so that I can know what I don't know now. And I thank you that you went to the cross for my sin, which is basically I've just lived as if I'm God and I'm not, and I realize that now, and I ask you to forgive me. See, Jesus just needs a change of heart. He doesn't need an academic dissertation. He responds to prayers like help. And as we say, Jesus, I know that I'm not God. I know that you are the revelation of God. I don't understand you. I just know I need help. And so I ask you to come into my heart and life today and to activate in me that spirit that pings you and goes, I'm hungry for you. I want to know more of you. That's really all you need to ask him. And then you can say, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. In my experience of battling with God, wrestling, following Him, rejecting Him, and all the rest over 45 years now, He's, he's, he's never been the one who screwed up. It's always been me. I'm so much more secure in Him now than I've ever been. It's not been because I've been perfect. It's been because He's been incredibly faithful. And in my brokenness, He's met me. And... and that's what he wants to release for you for each of us but he doesn't want you in a hospital ward he says I can use you I can use you to touch somebody else's life right now in your brokenness I can use, peop I can use you to share my love even when you're still struggling because you know what will happen when you share my love with somebody you'll receive it in greater measure so the more you give away the quicker and ex the acceleration of growth comes the more you feel sorry for yourself and obsess about yourself, the longer it takes. So, Father, I praise you for your goodness over everyone here. And I pray release right now an impartation of your spirit into every life that is open to you. And I pray that you activate in each person here a, a hunger for you that they've never seen before, a thirst for your word, a desire to make their lives count. I pray that you release in each person a confidence in the Father's love that we can live from the inside out with a lightness of touch that is glorious. And all you need to do is to say, thank you, Jesus, thank you. Speak to him from your heart, not your head. Your head will catch up. Your head will argue with you, so just tell it to shut up. And speak to heads in the name of Jesus, shut up. Hearts open up in the name of Jesus. Open up, open up. Come to the Father. Be embraced by the Father. He has a, a future for you that is wonderful a present for you that is peaceful. It'll take time, but it's easier to walk with the Father than walk alone. And I pray, Father, that you just activate muscles so that we can participate in this and not just sit on a stool and wait for you to work. There's a time to eat popcorn. There's a time to not eat popcorn. So bless, bless what you're doing and releasing in Jesus' name. Bless what you're doing and releasing in Jesus' name. Life, life, life. God the Father wants to release healing, 
He wants to release encouragement as we come to break bread together. Uh, there are things that He wants to release. So whatever you want to ask Him, you can ask Him right now. And as you come to share in the breaking of bread, you can ask Him. There will be people to pray on my left side during the breaking of bread. There's somebody here with arthritis that God wants to heal. This arthritis of the hips. Bronchial uh, tract infection, He wants to heal. Something with, you, with your, your bronchial tubes that are, are not right. In the name of Jesus, we release healing. Somebody with lupus, he wants to heal. Now, when you hear these things and it happens to be you, you come up and get prayed for, and you don't even have to say what it is. You just say, I'm claiming that. God just, just uses these words of knowledge to release faith. Some with a cataract in the, in the left eye, but it could be the right. So if it's the right, you're not disqualified. Wrestling with depression, dark thoughts, blackness. In the name of Jesus, I speak against depression. I speak against oppressiveness and a spirit of oppression in the name of Jesus. And I command it to lift in the name of Jesus. In Parksville last week, I spoke over backs and said, in the name of Jesus, I break pain over backs. And two people said, as soon as I spoke that, their backs were freed. So, Lord, we can do that again today. In the name of Jesus, I declare freedom of back pain and command it to be released in the name of Jesus. Just let your kingdom come, your will be done. Bless you, Lord, that you are faithful. Now you say, how can you just do that, John? And you say, well, he's promised that he will back whatever we do up. Back, back, back. He says you can step out and declare and you can be audacious because he loves me. And if he can do it with me, he can do it with you. So I'm just trying to model it for you. And there's somebody who, maybe more than one, who's, who's just overwhelmed with fear right now. And God would say, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, and I break the spirit of fear over your life in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus right now, fear be gone. And we bless the love of the Father and the hope that is in the Father. So we're going to share in the breaking of bread the Lord's Supper. It's His Supper. And He said that anybody who wants to come and follow Him is welcome at His table. And we come with broken, brokenness and emptiness and we say, Jesus, I've eaten at a lot of tables, but I need to come back to yours. And I come back to you and I ask that you just feed me with your spirit. And he uses this bread and wine as visible, visible and tangible elements that help us to believe what we don't yet see. And he also makes us a kind of meal that everybody can, be access, can access. It's not for the rich. It's not for the poor. It's not for any particular group. It's for everyone. And we only come because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So we come saying, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me where I have grieved you in any way. But I come thanking you for your blood shed on the cross. And I come to, to take hold of all of that which you've taken hold of me. So Jesus, when he spent time with his disciples just before his crucifixion, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat this. For this is my body which is broken for you. I put it on the cross so that you would know the love of the Father. I laid down my life so that you would know that God is faithful and He raised it from death. And I appeared in human form so that you would know that God is extraordinary. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and He gave it to His disciples and He said, This is my blood. It's my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So there's nothing in your life that you have ever done that will separate you from God. There's nothing that's unforgivable. There's nothing that He cannot reach out to and through because of His blood on the cross.
He said, drink this in remembrance of me. Because you're going to need lots of reminding that I am faithful because the world is so unfaithful. So you're going to do this whenever you gather together so that you learn that my truth is forever. So draw near. Draw near with joy, with boldness, because Jesus has taken our sins, so we come to a banquet. We don't come to a funeral. And we come because he says, I make all things new, and I'm making you new. So draw near, get out of your seats, and you draw near, and you come up, and you put out your empty hands, and you say, fill them, please, Jesus. And he says, absolutely, I will. And then if you need prayer, if you want to say, Lord, I want activation, I want more, you go to the right-hand side and say to somebody, I just want to be activated or healed or whatever. And he says, I'd love to do that. And one other thing, faith is about receiving in faith. So if you're not healed right away, you just say, thank you, Jesus, that you're working in me. Right? Thank you that you're working. So come and receive. Come and receive in the name of Jesus and rejoice because he likes you a lot.